0: Namaste this is episode forty nine of the Rebel Matters podcast. It's twenty past one in the morning, Friday the twenty first of June, and it has been a very long day. I left the house this morning at quarter to six to go and do a little bit of training. Got the bus I got the train up to Dublin after that and spent a few hours in the Shannon and the Dial up in Leinster House on Strateg Kildara and I was up there because I was uh, having a chat with my old classmate and now Shanador, Neil O'Donnelly, and also about the Palestine Community Gym Project and also got to spend a bit of time having the chats with Jim Gibney when he was showing me around the place and talked about all manners of revolutionary things and had a wee bit of lunch in the restaurant there and a pint of Guinness in the Died Bar which was really nice and then after that I headed over to Grogan's Castle and had a wee chat with Nicky Kelly and the artist Robert Balla and had a nice pint of Guinness there as well and then headed up to meet with Rady Pete who is the guest on today's podcast and we recorded this episode in the kitchen of railey's house while she was also making some dinner and turned out it was a really nice chat so i think you're going to enjoy it really is in the band lancum if you're not familiar with them then you should go and check them out on spotify and youtube or go and look at their website which is com. and it's quite good timing that this episode is coming out today because it's nearly a year to the day to the first time that I went to see Linkam, which was in the Body and Soul Festival in 2018 and as it happens I'm going to the Body and Soul Festival later on today and hopefully I'll be able to get a wee bit of sleep in between recording this little intro and going to the festival because I am knackered. So I'm not going to drag this intro out very much longer. Let's get stuck into episode 49 of the Rebel Matters podcast with Ready Pete. Thank you. i had a drink in the dial bar earlier today oh fancy yeah i was just in the dial bar oh, yeah is the
1: guinness nice there
0: man the guinness was so nice it was really? one of the nicest pints of guinness i ever had i swear to god
1: i don't know why you i expected you to say it wasn't good but it was um,
0: so nice i think they just keep the best guinness for themselves that's what they're doing
1: yeah i wouldn't put it past them it's yeah. the elite yeah that's
0: what it is so I was thinking about a place where we could start the podcast from and Yeah. I just thought maybe that I could ask you about how you got into music in the first place.
1: Okay. Is that the first question?
0: Yeah, I mean that yeah. probably goes back to quite young, so
1: Yeah, um, it does. Um I the very my very first contact with music was um like apart from obviously like hearing it and stuff. um, it, When I started to deliberately do it was uh, my sisters were going off somewhere every Tuesday uh, when I was five. And I was going like, where are they going? I want to go to because they're older than me. And uh, my parents were saying, oh, they're going to Tin Whistle. And I was like, OK, I want to go too And they were like, are you sure you want to go? And I said, yeah, I want to go. And then I got there and I was kind of disgusted because I didn't know what Tin Whistle meant. And I didn't know I wouldn't be in the class with them. So then I was just sat in a music class and I was like, oh, OK. But then I really liked it, like, from the very first one. So that's, how, that's like, my very first uh, instrument I learned and all. And I, I was lucky to have a really good teacher, uh, John O'Brien. And, um, like, I'm, my sisters all play and my parents play. It's all trad tunes in my family. Like, um, So that's... It, it was a kind of... I, I would have gotten into it anyway, you know. It, it's, like, a really natural thing in my family to do that. But I also was in uh, the primary school. I was in... Um, yeah, Skull Nasson had a really good music teacher who used to always uh divide up the school, the whole school, whether you could sing or not, and whether you wanted to sing or not. You got divided up into four parts and then it was four part harmony, um, always. And we used to always get together this like um kind of Christmas carol thing, um, all in Irish, actually, all the hymns in Irish, um, and sing them every Christmas. And I just loved singing in harmony and um I don't know, it was just, it, like, it's, so, it's very natural for me. Like, music has always been around, so I can't really imagine it not being around. And I can't even remember the moment when I was, like, when, you know, when it turned into something that I was really motivating or, like, I that I really loved because it was just kind of always there and I kind of always really liked it. So
0: I just got a flashback there to the last time that we were out at the same time. I think we were, like singing Christmas songs <laughs> we in were. Irish. Because I wanted to like pick
1: your brain for like, because they're different Christmas songs in Irish, right? And you don't meet that many people who did them all in Irish. Like, so I was trying to pick your brain and your brother's brain. Or, like, do you remember this one?
0: It's like um, we're living in like a parallel universe. Yeah, we're yeah. like doing the same thing, just in different places. Exactly. And you don't yeah, often yeah. meet someone else who is in the. Exactly. In and the they're parallel. also, they
1: are in there. They're just kind of in this weird kind of recesses of your brain bit. Um, you use jog my memory on a few definitely. Do you any, um,
0: any particular ones that you that we jogged your memory
1: on? Uh, oh, what was on? Um, <laughs> that one and but there's actions and I can't remember what what is the first line of it though. It's like. Um, oh, Bula Bus, that's the end yeah, of it.
0: Bus, yeah, Bula yeah. Bus, and it was <laughs> Tara, and <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Classic. <laughs>
1: and the Yeah, that actually was weirdly my favourite one when I was a child. I loved Duniehu the which like, as a grown up now who like makes music for a living, I think that was the start of me loving really sad sounding minor music, because Duniehu the has a really sad. Uh, melody to it the horse slips recorded it actually as well i found out only a few years ago but uh like it, that actually is kind of funny that i loved it so much as a kid um and it's the kind of melody i would still love now you know
0: just because you were talking about your family there and when i was doing a little bit of research for this podcast i seen that um your was it your grandparents had an electronics store
1: yeah, yeah, Jesus, good research. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no one's it's ever a, copped to bring that up in an interview. It's before. a long journey
0: down from Cork to Dublin. Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, lot of time. A lot <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, yeah, actually, if you say my surname to a lot of people from Dublin of a certain generation, they'll go, oh, Pete's, Pete's World of Electronics, or Pete's, Pete's of Parnell Street is also what it would have been called. So that was my great-granda, um, founded that, and then my granda and his brothers and sister then took it over. And uh, then my uncle... Some of my uncles um, and my granddad's brothers um, were still in charge of it and still running it when it when it shut down a couple of years ago. Um, so yeah, it was re- like that was the family business. And do years. you think
0: is that <coughs> in my head? Whenever I seen this and I was in the research, I was <laughs> like, maybe this is connected with this. Yeah. So I want I was going to ask you, do you think that the fact that um, your family were involved in a business that was very much quite well known? It seemed like it was quite well known amongst the people in Dublin. Yeah, and if it was going back to your great grandfather then it must have been one of the first electronic stores because there couldn't have been that many of them around at that time do
1: you know what I actually don't know the answer to that I think it was though because I think it was the only one because I, I, I had like I've heard a few stories from people who like let's say grew up in Kilkenny or Waterford or whatever and they all would have gotten the, the train up or the bus up to get stuff in that shop so I think it was kind of one of the first ones in Ireland um, and and uh, yeah, like, I, w- I wouldn't like to say that categorically, but I've never heard of another one. And it does seem to be, like, if you talk to anybody, like, anyone's granny, let's say, in Dublin, will always be like, oh, I got my radiograms and Pete's, and You know what I mean?
0: Do you think that that has connected you to Dublin more? I was walking around Dublin earlier when I got off the train. I was, like, listening to Lankham on my yeah. earphones. And I was like, <laughs> this is the soundtrack of Dublin. Yeah, <laughs> just walking yeah. around, it just Very sounds Dublin. such yeah, a Dublin thing. <laughs> so yeah. does that... Do you think that having been coming from a family that was kind of rooted in the community and it was well-known and it was kind of of Dublin as such has had an influence on your musical career
1: um i don't know if it's had an influence on well okay sorry this is going to be a long answer because like obviously your sen- your own sense of identity and who you are and your sense of place will always have an influence i think on anything you do um and definitely my i i feel very much like i'm from Dublin and it's actually not just because of my dad's family because my mom's family are very Dublin as well um you know like my I'm trying to think. Like my granny's dad was a cobbler in Fairview, and they were around for you know that mad story where like the lions, the guy who kept the lions, that film they made, Wheel of Fortune, and he had the lions in Fairview, and then they escaped from the garden. That was actually like I my granny's back garden. This uh, is the
0: first time i have heard of so oh, it. This from Oh, it's amazing.
1: Yeah, so there was a guy in Fairview who got really into having lions, um, taming lions. So he had them in his back garden, and he trained them for years, and then. Um, I don't want to ruin the end of the documentary for anyone, but basically the lions did turn on him and he killed him in the end. Yeah. <laughs> but so when I was a kid, my granny kept talking to me about all oh, the time the lions escaped and they almost mauled your granddad. And then there was they got to a petrol station and they like mauled some y- young lad who was at the petrol station. Anyway, it just sounded so weird that I actually like, even though she was totally with it, I kind of just assumed that this was just she'd just gotten it wrong. So I I kind of didn't ask her any more questions. I was like, Oh yeah, Granny, the times the time the lions escaped, and then years later it was like, Oh my God, she was completely right. Like she was telling the absolute truth because their their garden had been like, um. So the garden that the lions were in, like, uh, my my uncle, my mom's older brother, could actually see them, uh from their garden. So yeah, so they were around very at that time. That's so, mad. Yeah, so I I feel like I obviously the Pete's connection uh, is kind of very Dublin based as well but like I just my on both sides of my family I just feel very connected to Dublin I suppose you know because um, we've just like there's no there's, no, there's nothing else there's, oh there is Belfast though my uh, my one of my great grannies is from Belfast was from Belfast her name no was way. Dolly yeah
0: and was that on the Pete side? Pete oh, side yeah, yeah, Do yeah. You, so is the you know the way surnames a lot of the time if your surname is Cooper that you go back yeah. far enough that your family were Cooper's yeah is oh, the yeah. Pete like, name connected with uh, mm. like being, in trade. <laughs> being in the bog a trade being in the bog cutting Pete
1: <laughs> are we actually from the bog um, <laughs> I don't know I don't know I've heard some t- theories on this That I he- one of the theories I heard was that it actually comes from um, the French word petite like that we were just small Um, But I don't know, I know that my family uh, are originally from, uh, like the the Pete side, anyway the Pete name is originally from Pudsey, just outside Leeds in England, Uh, and they were actually engineers that came over, Uh, two brothers, engineers came over, and I can't remember the year, but you're talking a long time ago now, I suppose.
0: Like 1800s, are you talking? Yeah, yeah. I think so, yeah. Do you need to stir the dinner?
1: I do need, sorry, yeah, I'm actually five minutes, I'm sorry,
0: sorry. Take a little break, just like mix the dinner around. Oh, that does lamp. look nice. It's going to hopefully going to
1: be very nice. It's like a tagine.
0: Yeah, lamb tagine. I'll keep like I'll keep the people occupied while you're doing that. Yeah. Um,
1: Please
0: do. For <laughs> <Call> me. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, I'll just do a little commentary. So we're in the kitchen, um, Rade's house, and she's like pulling out the tagine, okay. putting it on top of the cooker. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just and trying to <laughs> stir it. <in> the <laughs> That put me up, <laughs> isn't it mad actually? What you were saying there about um, you, what your your granny was saying about the, the tiger, the lions, yeah. And like, because there was no social media back then, like, things seem to maybe not happen if it's not on social media. And then things that are out of the ordinary back then, you kind of t- tend to question them sometimes, and actually, yeah. like, there were still mad things happening back then as well, but just nobody there to capture them on a the phone,
1: yeah. But I'll. It just sounded so unlikely. And she told me when I was really young as well. I think I was about like 11 or 12 when she was talking to me about it. Um, and the time she told me no one else was in the room like to kind of test the theory. We were just on our own. And I just was, I, I just thought it sounded really um, kind of exotic, too exotic for Dublin, basically. I was like, sure, who would have lines in their garden in Dublin, like as if, like they would have only been in the circus at the time or something. Um, but yeah it was fascinating then when the uh, th- the documentary uh, then was made and brought out I just was totally proved wrong and unfortunately my poor granny had already passed away at that point so I couldn't be like oh, oh sorry I doubted sorry you I doubted you. <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean
0: It's funny. I've I never told
1: her I doubted her anyway I just said yeah
0: I mentioned um, this person on the podcast quite a few times before but I used to go down and visit an old man called Mick Murphy who ran away with the circus when he was like 14 Wow. and won the Ross More around Ireland which was this sti- it's kind of the Tour de France it's the biking oh, yeah. yeah Dan we was telling me about this that oh he yeah. trained with rocks he trained with he made, he made his own like gym out of concrete and I read about him when I was just after moving to Cork in 2010 I went down to I was like I have to find this guy obviously so I drove down to Kerry to got my bike, cycled around until I found his house. Yeah. And went in and was th- still
1: there and still in the house. He was house. there and like the wow. house
0: looked like it was completely abandoned except for the fact that there was a radio sound coming out of it. Yeah. There's so many mad stories there. Um about him and he, he I just wrapped this like there was no door, it was just like a little corrugated iron thing and I yeah. wrapped it. The radio went off and I was like, that's it, I'm gonna go now he's gonna shoot me with a shotgun. And yeah. then a couple of minutes later the door opened and he just was like, Oh come on in Bring your bikes, so we'll have a look at it. And then the inside of the house was just like stepping into a different world. There was one room on the left that had the gym that he built when he was 14 or 15. It was still and there. The gym was still there, yeah. made from like metal and pieces of concrete. And there was what he was sleeping on, which was just pallets with some like male sex and stuff there, like those kind of like rough sex. Oh yeah like, like twine sex, sex Yeah twine yeah, sex yeah. Yeah. And then on the other side Of the house The other side The other The right hand side Was just the room That was full of stuff Like it was Full of stuff And just one seat That he was sitting on And another piece of a seat And he just went off Telling these stories That About how he ran off of the circus And how he won What the did he r- do was. In the
1: circus then so do, This is the do thing Do
0: or something He did Hand balancing And tightrope walking And Oh wow He said that he could put Like a ladder on his chin And a woman would walk Up the ladder And in my head I'm like this is a great story, but like, this you can't act- be yeah. true. Like, yeah. Show me a photo. <laughs> yeah, and then the photographs. Oh yeah. And after that, I was like, oh shit! I was like, whoa! Yeah. It's mad. So I became really good friends with them over the years. And after that, I just kept going down to visit them stuff. And and, but whenever i I've been telling people this story, they're like, that can't be true. Like,
1: yeah, disbelieving. But that's that thing about like sometimes you know life is actually stranger than than fiction. You know. Um, and th- I don't know why it's because when it's an older person as well you're like oh it, it couldn't be true or whatever but there you go they had much more interesting lives than we did
0: maybe, well maybe then people <laughs> like in 50 years time will be thin then we had more interesting lives than they had
1: maybe if they're still around if there's still people on the planet, <laughs> I really hope there is <laughs> yeah. so do I sorry Actually, it's um, very nihilistic well, so what that we sidetrack that that sidetrack that um Topic conversation a The end of the world We do another podcast Yeah on that. yeah Let's not talk about things.
0: What kind of music Were you listening to Whenever you were young um, You're still young Whenever I'm, you were a kid <laughs> How dare you
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> when I, Whenever I was a pro- Like properly a child like.
0: Yeah like when you Started listening to music What kind of music Were you listening to
1: So when I started Deliberately listening to music I wasn't like a, a I suppose Well no actually I probably was about 10 or 11 The first time I started Like you know Choosing a thing To put on And listening to it And the very first thing I chose to put on Was Nina Simone Uh, who I thought was a man for years Um, I didn't understand (laughs) that she was a woman Um, but I just became really fascinated by her and uh, used to put on this album um, every single day Um, I'm sure it drove everyone in the house mad because I used to put it on every single day and sing along with it at the top of my like as, as loud as I could sing along with it and I was It was this kind of, I am still very obsessive about music. It's like a, it's the biggest part of my life. You know what I mean? But it was definitely the signs of me that starting to happen then, because what was happening was I, I really wanted to sing it exactly as she was singing it. So I'd kind of, if I wasn't getting it right, I'd go back to the start of the track to try get this little wobble she did, or like a little ornament or whatever. And I don't know why I want, I don't know what my goal was, not like I was planning on ever doing it in front of anyone but just for me I wanted to do it exactly like the recording um, so that was my first kind of real musical obsession I suppose and then my second one was actually Radiohead um, I found one track on this like mixtape that one of my sisters had made and um, it was Paranoid Android and I just was like what is this what are these sounds and I was just so confused by it because like it's it's kind of like electronic sounds you know um and just the guitar playing and um yeah I don't know I like I still I am an absolute avid Radiohead fan still so many years later like they've really they're kind of my my one of my enduring loves in music
0: and um, what was it that brought Nina Moon into your life like into your sort of sphere
1: um, I think one of my parents actually put it on um in the car when we were on our way to Milltown Malbay for the Willie Clancy Week and because uh, my parent in fairness my parents still basically only listen to trad music and um, that's that's really what they're into and uh, they're really kind of passionate about it so w- whenever they listen at home it would be like like the kind of furthest from uh, trad tunes might have been Planksty or something but like it's all within the trad umbrella I don't know how they ended up with the CD of Nina mound but they did put it on in the car and I think the first time I heard it I actually didn't really like it but then something was fascinating and I kept going back to
0: it that's a really interesting answer to that question that I wasn't expecting I thought that maybe <laughs> like the Dubliners or something yeah, like that yeah 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 um, like Tommy
1: Potts <clears throat> or something yeah yeah but at the same time
0: um, you know from listening even to I'm like it's not it kind of transcends genres in a way like it's not like tr- you wouldn't say that it was straddled. or would you say that? I, it's d-
1: I don't know what to say what it is we joke and we call ourselves genre straddlers because we're kind of it doesn't quite neatly fit into anything um, so yeah whenever people say what kind of music do you play I, I actually don't really know how to answer the question and I sometimes just get embarrassed and say uh, sort of uh, drony uh, melancholic folk i think <laughs> uh but you know
0: but I, like from listening to you guys like i get that sense that it's not it's not like s- fit strictly fitting into one genre and like y- so that kind of like y- the fact that you started off listening to Nina Simone and Radiohead, Radiohead kind of like proves that a little bit i guess that, that there was I- influences there that were way beyond what yeah what people might typically think
1: well like for my from for me personally like um traditional music for me was an activity and it was a community and a thing that i did and it was like a a thing like it was like an activity that you did with your friends your family or whatever i actually never sat down and listened to traditional music until maybe i was in my mid-20s um and i never listened to what you would well no i liked plank i actually liked planksty a lot when i was about 17 and i really got into this album um this andy Irvine and paul brady album um, which was like a bootleg Of a, a promo concert uh, Called uh, The Missing Liberty Tapes I loved that I really really wore that out But um, So for me Like I was listening To kind of anything But trad I had a very kind of weird Kind of Parallel and separate Kind of My music listening Was so different To what I was actually doing Musically you know And for me It made sense It still makes sense It all makes sense In my brain Why I like all those Different things you know But then for the other Members of the band Like I mean I mean the two brothers in the band uh, had absolutely kind of no dealings with trad until they were maybe in their late teens and then came to it from like a punk and hardcore and metal background and then cormac the fiddle player in the band he had a funny one where he like would have been playing trad from as young an age as me but his family are this like amazing they are like the most wonderful music weirdos of dublin like they are are the just brilliant, all of them. Uh, like uh, his brothers formed, you know, this band, the Jimmy, the Jimmy Cake, and um, one of his brothers played on a David Kitt album, and you know, like he he was hearing all this amazing stuff. Um, from a really young age, they were exposing him to some really interesting music, um, and really out there music, you know. And he he has he really loves electronic music as well. He has like a kind of an amazing array of of tastes. Um, so like all of those things do converge then I think to like we all really love folk music and trad music and then we can't really help that those are the things like they do come out you know we're also all collectively mad into uh, kind of very drone heavy stuff and uh, especially kind of 1970s Krautrock um, that would be kind of a shared love that we do sometimes actually om- we that's the only one that we do sometimes deliberately uh, try kind of get across a little bit we're like yeah what if it was a bit like a crowd rock track
0: how did you make the transition from
1: loving music and listening to music to becoming a professional musician uh, oh that one's interesting so I was I was determined I wouldn't be a musician basically Um, so when I was like 18 and people were saying like oh you should go to college and I listened to them and I was like yeah I should go to college and then I was trying to figure out what I'd do and I was worried that if I did music or art like visual art it would kind of ruin those things for me if I like intellectualised them too much I you would
0: take it from being a hobby to being yeah. something you have to do or something like that yeah
1: or something that I would start to become very um, a bit too self-examining about you know what I mean because it was something that really gave me a lot of happiness uh, and it was an outlet uh, for me uh, so I I just kind of was like oh, I, I don't, I'd sooner not start taking it apart and looking at it too closely you know and um, so i wanted to keep them as something that i just did so i went and did languages um and then i i kind of was listening to what people were telling me which was that you know you should pick a safe degree choice and you should get a you know like if you're an artist you'll never have any money and if you're a musician you'll never have any money and all this kind of stuff and i decided to listen to people in my early 20s and i i finished my degree and i i ended up getting this job in a um in a international health insurance company on a helpline um, with my languages which was uh, English and Italian were the two that I was working in and uh, it was basically um, a horrible job like I was properly in the like I was working for the baddies like and I knew it from my first day of training I was like what am I doing with my life they're training me to turn people down to ignore their pro- you know what I mean I, I was really uncomfortable with my role in their Um, and I it basically literally that job made me have a kind of a weird like epiphany uh, where I decided um, that the job was a load of shit and that everybody had been lying to me I was like they all said that if I did my degree and I got like a well-paying job which it was and I got a secure job that I'd be happy and I just was like this is the worst thing in the world I'm so unhappy I feel like I'm a baddie now why have I listened to anyone basically? So I quit the job and went on the dole without a plan. I was kind of vaguely thinking of going and uh, becoming an interpreter, but I needed an extra language, like maybe like a Scandinavian one or whatever. So I was kind of thinking about that. Um, And while I was thinking about that, I started going back out to sessions just to make myself feel better basically. Because I really had a hard time in the job. I was having a really hard time and I really wasn't happy. So I went out to do the thing that made me happy without fail every time, which was music. So I went, and I uh, went to Cormac's session, who's the fiddle player in Lancôme, because um, we knew each other since we were um, teenagers from school, and I uh, went to one of his sessions. And just, it wasn't even a decision. It was just like, I just, it made me so happy to play and to sing, and then I just did it as much as I possibly could. And then I was kind of getting gigs again in pubs, um, and that was kind of supplementing like the fact that I didn't have a job. Um. And then basically the Lynch brothers, they wanted to make another album because they'd made this kind of folk rock one like years previously. or Sorry, folk punk one uh, years previously. And they asked me and Cormac to be on a track or two. And we went into the studio or sorry, we went into not the studio. We did just in our houses, decided to practice for the studio. And it just got really exciting, really fast, because we realized that there was something going on where it was like, we all really you know we were trying to make kind of trad music but there was more going on than that you know and it was just really easy and really exciting straight away so it just kind of happened by accident to be honest
0: there's a, f- s- s- a few things there that I, <laughs> and like, sorry talk oh, for ages no, <laughs> um, the first thing is I think that, that seems to be a really valuable life lesson the fact that you had like what you thought was a shitty job at the time that that's the thing that kind of spurred you on to where you are now and yeah. I can kind of relate to that as well having worked in a couple of places where I'm like there, I have no value in this job like, and yeah. I need to go and do something else if you were if someone who was say in their 20s thinking about becoming a musician or were being told the things that you were being told when you were in your 20s what would yeah. you tell them would you be like fuck this don't go and do the job go and do what you want now or would you be saying yeah yeah go and do the degree and...
1: oh I'd definitely say d- just go and do the music do whatever it is that you want and also what I d- would say is that like the, I, there was this kind of fear instilled in me about like you won't have enough money if you do this job and the thing is like you d- generally you have to say you don't have enough money if you're an artist or a musician but I don't actually think that that's the important thing in life though that's the point that I didn't, I couldn't understand when I was younger. Was that I just listened to people who were older than me, and I was like, yeah, yeah, financial difficulty would be really hard. But I mean, there's a, there's a vast grey area though in the middle, you know. And if you can make enough to 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 live your life and to have reasonably kind of like good quality of living, but you're doing what you love, it's a million times better than having a load of money and being desperately unhappy because you don't put value in what you're doing every day because that's the thing about jobs that like you know it might not be the like uh, that one's an extreme example that I gave because I felt like it was it was almost evil what I was doing you know what I mean because I was like literally turning people down for thousands and thousands of, of euro uh, for medical treatment based on these like little definitions in a little book that I didn't certainly write and I didn't agree with and I just felt like I was the mouthpiece for pure evil basically and I wasn't okay with it Um, but like even a job where, like let's say one that was suggested to me when I came out of college was they were like oh do you know um, because my languages I did and don't try speak to me in Irish because I will get so confused but I did Irish and Italian in in college uh, and then ruined my Irish by living in Italy for too long but I um, someone was saying like oh you could go and translate all the documents um, in in Europe into Irish and that to me is a job I was like I don't want to do that because that's not a tangible do you know what I mean you need something that you're like this is what I did today this is what it counts for this is what it means yeah but that it's like that it's necessary you know what I mean and that sorry I don't mean to disparage anyone who's doing that job my reasoning was like yeah but I know that's a technicality but I don't I don't know if they all need to be translated into Irish you know what I mean like, I don't, I'm not sure if every single document needs to be translated into Irish. But I do understand that that's like, you know, it's, it's, it's to follow a, a policy or whatever. Sorry, it's maybe a bad example of well, a job.
0: Well, it kind of relates to what you said earlier about doing what you what makes you happy. And yeah. it, I think that it's connected with how much personal value atta- you attach to what you're doing. And if you attach yeah. personal value to it, then it makes you happy. Yeah. Therefore, you do it.
1: Exactly. Like, so if you're like mad into linguistics and you like love translation, that will make you happy. Whereas to me, that's like a job. I never enjoyed translating things. Or, like, if you, I think any job can be a happy job for someone as long as they feel like they're um, doing something that they like. But also, you know, like that you finish your work day and you're like, so this is what I did and I'm, I, I, I'm glad I did it. You know what I mean? Like, I used to work as a postman and I loved it because it was so simple. It was just like, these things need to be delivered. End of the day, they have been delivered to everybody. Everybody's happy. They got their thing they wanted in the post. And
0: you, you get very happy when you get a letter in the post. Yeah, if it's not, a bill, lo- if it's not a bill, but I love yeah. letters. <laughs> I
1: like letters in the post, you know. And there's like little packets with a thing inside, like yeah. you know, you know. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like that's good job satisfaction. That's what I'm talking about. Is job satisfaction? I think that's what I mean. Is that like you have to whatever your job is, like you have to feel like it's worthwhile and also to get some kind of uh, uh, some kind of self-esteem from it as well to be able to that like that it's not just a job that like this button needs to be pressed every day and they press the button that you can be like I think I did a good job of that today you know
0: when I was walking around Dublin earlier listening to you guys on the headphone on the headphones that lyric that you have that I look for signs that Dublin's heart is still beating got me thinking about the role that folk music has in storytelling and also a few of the other songs like of, of you know, preserving people's memories or mm. allowing people to live on through song that people maybe that uh, everyone else would have forgot about other than yeah. the fact that there was a song about them yeah because it's like reason. a
1: time capsule almost you know that, um, yeah like names that are like there's songs that are so old and like there's the person's full name in it and it's, it's kind of amazing cause it's, what, what's know, like that a song
0: with um, the woman kills the baby and the, na- the girl's name is in the song um, uh, like the Carol or what is
1: it it's the mother kills the baby yes so it's a version of the cruel mother but I don't know which version you're talking to. sorry there's loads of different ones of that so
0: and the baby's name is in the song and she put her put her in a river and it was oh, I can't remember I had it in my head. sorry so on.
1: also because like that's, uh, that's what I find really interesting about folk songs actually is that like you told me that plot there and that plot is the same plot of so many different songs, so so many different melodies and so many different lyrics, because there's these kind of, ah, um, oh, like, what would you call them? like archetypes or plot well, lines I'm
0: just thinking about now I'm thinking about that song there was an old woman who lived yeah. on her own wheel, wheel, yeah that's yeah. a so version of the cruel mother the as well the same yeah. story in the song exactly. but it's a different melody and diff- a different song
1: yes exactly <laughs> which is like it's like a kind of weird treasure hunt sometimes then when you're researching them because you're like I don't believe it that's the same you know plot as as this or whatever or the well below the value is the same plot right so they're all the same song basically well they're the same plot which means that like I think that's really interesting and I'm by no means like I like I haven't you know studied how, how this works uh, like I haven't done proper like kind of academic research on this I just do my own personal research it's just something that I do as like a hobby um, like looking into different versions of songs but I love watching and kind of imagining how maybe they traveled you know so it's like how the hell did they end up with a version of that song in newfoundland or in america that's the other thing, is the appalachian songs the appalachian tradition has loads of the same plot lines as like scottish ballads irish ballads you know and then when you start trying to find like well which was the starting one like where did it come from sometimes it's really hard to find and also to watch how they change in the different places so like you know the Scottish version how is it different from the Irish version why is it different you know like um, w- like what elements did they kind of like get rid of or keep or ham up or whatever because I think it's kind of like it's like a little study of human nature because you're watching how these things kind of take wings and you know change into another thing and it's also like for every folk song that you hear now like someone singing in a pub let's say for every song that you hear that's an old one what I always think of like is think of the amount of people who had to hear that song hear something personal in it or like have it strike a chord with them or whatever then learn it themselves and then sing it around for it to survive just for it to still be around the, like probably hundreds for each song of, the, of people who cared about that song and they wanted it and they wanted to learn it and they wanted to sing it for people so it's real like it's kind of fascinating for me maybe it's really nerdy but I think it's really fascinating to see which ones survive like because then you find these old books of ones that like there's loads of songs but like you'd, you'd be looking through them being like okay that one's still around and sang that one and then there'd be loads of ones that are just like they're relics no one sings them anymore a really know?
0: good friend of ours who's passed away now Eamon Moore and before he pa- he passed away he he was a, a beautiful singer and he went around Ireland and Eamon was a r- manic Hurling fan just loves Hurling and went around and collected loads of songs about Hurling and oh, really? made an album about it so every song on the album it's is, about, is hurling. about Hurling and so those specialist. are some of the songs that <laughs> it's yeah. a niche market yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's amazing though yeah. but loads yeah. of those songs would be gone now because like, he was just yeah. meeting people in bars the yeah. old people that had had these songs from yeah. the 1950s or something like around that. around
1: and that's like basically song collecting like, yeah. which is that's it's the other thing is that if you don't have people who do that who like decide that they want to go and get these songs before they're gone like we have like a couple of really amazing song collectors to thank for our kind of body of songs we have in Ireland now you know um and like if it wasn't for them and I'd be wor- worried about a uh, name because I'll miss out some but one of the ones that like I've gotten a lot of uh, songs off is Tom Munley uh collected some amazing songs um and um yeah I think that like that's a really uh under undervalued part of how the tradition works is the kind of archivists and song collectors as well like they have to exist for the tradition to exist as well.
0: Like the stories of history are kind of passed down through songs and or like we're we're a kind of people of oral history anyway. Yeah. And that like the vast majority of the Irish history has been passed down by word of mouth. Yeah. And I guess through songs as well. And what role do, do, does folk music have In providing like a Social commentary For what's happening In the country
1: Ooh I get asked this question All the time And I always feel like A real imposter Answering it Because I'm not like A professor I don't I'm not even a A, a master's student On this kind of thing Like I don't I don't know the facts and, and You know Like I haven't done Extensive research On it at all I think that Like There does seem to be A strong From the songs I've heard there does seem to be a strong vein of like satire resistance kind of you know political like kind of um making fun of kind of politicians or you know people in power all that kind of stuff and in fairness that is the one way that it's going to like how else can something like that survive so if it was written in a book it wouldn't be allowed to be written in a book you know what i mean um, it's like it's, it's, it's allowed to survive in this kind of other form because it's music. There's the, the really famous Frank Hart quote, which is, those in power write the history, those who suffer write the songs. So it's like when you look at, you know, um, like how history is, is documented, um, I don't think that working class normal people really get a look in in terms of like dictating the narrative or even adding to like, you know what I mean? Like it, it seems to be kind of removed from those classes. History is, whereas song is just this weird medium because it's infectious. Everybody likes music and things are allowed, you know, they survive in a different way, I think because it is music and cause it's not just even like so a song can be almost a political manifesto, but if it's kind of a good song and it's, do you know what I mean? Like it's allowed into avenues and places that it wouldn't have been allowed into if it was someone just standing there saying like, this is what I think about the world, you know? It's like a it's like a stealth attack.
0: It's like, I'm thinking about <laughs> Nina Simone's song, Mississippi.
1: Yeah, oh my God. Like that yeah, went everywhere and that God was damn. a political statement. Yeah.
0: So um, why do you think that people ask you that question?
1: I think they ask me that question because um, obviously I sing folk songs so they kind of want to know if if that if I think that's true about folk songs um and also because uh some of the songs that we write ourselves as a band as Lancome um have kind of a political and an an underlying I hope not too explicit and in your face because I don't I actually don't think that's very effective when it's real like this is how the world is you know but like there is a lot of in our writing we we would be Trying to communicate how we feel about the world uh, uh, You know about our world About um, what's going on You know so there is a kind of a Maybe a social conscious to it But not it, it, We don't. It, that's not what You know I'm not trying to shove it down anyone's throats either You know just literally it's, I think a lot of Why people make music is You just try make music to communicate Your inner world you know And just be like this is what This is how I feel this is what I think is going on um so that's all we're doing there but we do think a lot about i suppose yeah the state of the world and what the country
0: format does that take like do you guys sit down and be like how how do you guys create those pieces of music
1: well um so like let's say cold old fire um was written before i knew the lads so i i wasn't involved in the in the writing of that song actually just in the music part of it but um uh the likes of the granite gaze we had talked a lot so basically the granite gaze is um we had had a number of conversations after the whole tune babies thing came out about like this is just like you know it was just so sad like just like kind of deeply deeply sad and just um kind of th- we had talked a bit about writing a song about that and then ian and dara kind of started the song Uh, and wrote like a lot of the lyrics and then we kind of we all just kind of that one really did kind of um just compare all of our imagery we decided to use really abstract imagery as well instead of like anything concrete we wanted it to be a bit kind of you can't really put your finger on it uh but it just that song was we had we had talked before about what we wanted it to be about and we wanted it to be about the Catholic Church and what it's like to be a young Irish person with the knowledge of all these things, you know, in a very recent past. And, you know, just, um, yeah, just what that feels like, you know. So we we had talked about that before we wrote that one, but decided to keep it very abstract, you know.
0: So what's it like bringing that to the table in the Irish music industry? Because that's not the status quo.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I'm sure there's lots of people... All over the place (laughs) Giving out about us But like They don't do it to my face That's the way people go Isn't it Like if they're going to Give out about you They don't tag you on Twitter You know They just They just give out about you So um, I'm sure there's all kinds of gigs We haven't gotten Maybe Because of it Uh, Or maybe there's All kinds of people Who think we're You know I don't know too mouthy or something But It's not being said To me explicitly anyway But I think that like Like I have to point out That like when we wrote The Granite Cays as well That was pre um, Repeal You know So like it was this Real frustration Where we were like Jesus does anybody else Feel like this Like you're almost like Looking for an answer Just being like does, does I, Is anyone else Finding this This miserable Is it this absurd To anybody else And it was kind of Amazing then when repeal happened because it was like Jesus I think that is actually a lot more people's opinion than we had even previously thought like you the know? other
0: side of what you're saying of the potential negative side effects of people thinking that you're too mouthy is that you have a following that like I was at the gig in St Luke's when you did the gig oh, Saint, with s- Jimmy Craig. Day, so that, that, was day. That, that was great that fun that was mental yeah, everybody yeah. was going mental
1: they were going mental and the place yeah. was packed out <laughs> so
0: it's yeah. like I, so you guys definitely have more like lovers than haters
1: Uh, Well That'd be nice If that was true I have to say Our audiences In Ireland Are just They're just Great I love playing in Ireland Like because we play Abroad a lot Like because you know Ireland You know It's it's a small enough country So you can't play Load the times Um Per year or whatever Um But I I love I really love our Irish audiences And um to be honest the, the kind of people Who come up and say Hello to me as well Because people sometimes Come up and say Like oh hi I was at your gig And I enjoyed it Or whatever They're always really Sound people You know what I mean Like everyone's always Nice There's no wrecked the heads Coming up and being You know Saying they they were At your gig So I, I, I I'd be kind of Proud of the, the Kind of people who Who come to the gigs You know They're
0: Something that I wanted to ask you about was. What is the
1: beep beep on the clock it's mean? Six o'clock. Oh? No? Yeah. So that means it's time to take the dinner out. Does it? You <laughs> yeah. want to do it? Uh, it actually does. Do get, it. Sorry. I've got
0: a good question to end up um, for whenever that's out. It's, um, I'll ask you the question while you're doing it.
1: Yeah, I, no, no ask me the question after I've stopped doing it because I'm kind of bad at multitasking.
0: Okay. <laughs> well, the question has got a background to it because. A few months ago NECAP were doing a gig in U C D and yeah. the crowd were the crowd were chanting some slogans that the security at the gig weren't too happy about and they were carried off the stage, kicked out and the gig was shut down and after what that happened about that? I <laughs> seen online that Lancome also had a gig shut down in UCD, so I going yeah. to ask you what happened there.
1: So uh, this was I can't, oh when was this? There is an article somewhere about it. Um, I wasn't in the band at the time, though, so I can give you my what I've and I have heard the story a lot of times from uh, Ian and Dara Lynch. Um, but weirdly, kind of exactly the same thing happened. So, um, I'm not gonna say what they were getting. The uh, audience To chant But they were getting them To chant s- uh, Some anti-bouncer sentiment Some very strong Anti-bouncer sentiment um, And the bouncers just like Yeah like Kicked them out basically um, And then I think they were drinking outside In the lane way Or something Anyway it was a big It was a, a Kind of a big Well it wasn't a big mess They just made out like It was a big mess They wrote this article and, You know Like Making them sound like well, they were a bit mad back then. No, I have to say, they were—they were fairly mad back then. Um, they were probably being really, um,
0: a channeling their, their punk roots.
1: They were being very punk for sure. Yeah, yeah. But like the bouncers definitely took it very, very personally. You
0: know? I did the podcast with TPM a few weeks ago, lads, and um, Charles put it very nicely that many people in the bouncer line of work go well. Above and beyond the call of duty, when it comes to doing security at gigs and stuff like that, and yeah. maybe they bring it on themselves. That'd be maybe something that could be possibly true.
1: I oh I I I believe that to be true. I'm sure there's some very nice, gentle people who go into being bouncers. Um, y- you know, just for bad eggs. But there is definitely there. some bad eggs. I've had some dealings with them myself. I'm always shocked at like bouncers who want to like give out. To, cause I'm 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 quite a small woman, and I've had b- bouncers like huge bouncers just be really nasty to me, and I'm just like, while they call me love and pet, you know, like at the in the same breath, and yeah, i I've very oh, yeah, a lot of memories of that kind of stuff, but like at the same time, it must be a crap job like that must be a crap you remember we were talking about job satisfaction earlier <laughs> <laughs> that must be shit like being a bouncer going home being like yeah i did a really good job of kicking that lad out tonight like i really ruined his night you know yeah. so the last time i got kicked out of somewhere
0: well sorry it's not the last time one of the times that i got kicked out of somewhere that i can remember um the girl that i was with at the time was in the bathroom and she came out of the bathroom and bob marley was on she loves bob marley he's a Maniac Bob Marley fan And she was like Ah I love Bob Marley I love Bob Marley
1: Let's go to those for it. And then we, got, we got kicked out for, that. for loving Bob Marley Yeah Oh my god I thought that was a little bit harsh But That's bizarre Because everyone loves Bob Marley Who does He's like, hardly divisive You know what I mean If people who don't love Bob Marley you get kicked weirdos. out He's <laughs> weirdos <laughs> sure, There's none of them They don't exist Here I wanted yeah. to
0: ask you about this The massive instrument that you have It's like a concertina In a magnifying glass It's like Stretching my arms out really wide
1: I don't think I have an It's not that, that big. big. No, is it like this big. big? But you
0: have to play it with your feet as well, your legs and stuff. Yeah,
1: yeah. Okay, so that's a or harmonium in my head. Yeah, yeah. It it's much, huge. It's no, much, I'll tell you what's happening there. Big. I'm really small, so when you see me on stage playing it, it seems like it's really big. <laughs> it's, <a skill. laughs> but it's not that big. <laughs> I actually think that's what's happening. It's like, uh, it's like about two feet long. For it's like I think. deep, and then maybe a foot deep. And then it, maybe a foot wide. you play it like, yeah. with
0: your hands and your, your legs at the same time? Um, Is that true? Was that oh, wait. Okay.
1: No. Okay. I think you're thinking of two different things. So look in the corner there. Is that what you mean? Two of them. There's two. No, that's on the ground. Yeah. You
0: play was on the ground. Yeah. This thing was like, you can like play it like like this. <gasps>
1: oh, I know what you mean. <laughs> okay. No, I know the thing. I <laughs> know the Another people
0: thing. People on the podcast aren't going to know what that was, but yeah. it was basically... To continue with my knees and my hands at the same time because it's <laughs> <Yeah. is> big, <laughs>
1: it was very funny looking. <laughs> you know what but I mean now? Yeah, I do know what yeah. you mean now. Um, so that's this massive accordion that I bought years ago. Yeah, I was so right. it is no, sorry, you are right about that. It is huge and it is so heavy and it's like about a hundred years old and it's falling apart. It, literally, I had it held together with duct tape for years. Uh, recently, me and my dad kind of fixed it up better than it was, but it's still fairly. Uh, wrecked looking, but I got that uh around uh, the corner, and um, from where we are now in in Fibsborough, um, I'm trying to think like something like seven years ago, six years ago, in this really weird second hand shop that since has become a little bit more upmarket and it's now called the Vintage Shop, but uh, at the time it sold really weird stuff, and um, just all like these kind of weird old statues and some kind of like like badges with swastikas on them and stuff and like weird like kind of taxidermy and <laughs> like then these like it, it sold all, all these like wooden spinning wheels for a while which is very spooky but I went in one day and they had this accordion uh, for like 20 quid and I had no idea what. It, like I tried to play it but it was kind of broken but I was like I think that sounds kind of cool uh, and brought it home and um, Daryl Lynch from the band managed to figure out the, the kind of the mechanism in, in the middle uh, in, on the inside and fixed it so that it could play and then as soon as I played it I was like Jesus I love that because it's got this really off-kilter kind of rumbly dirty bass sound on it that I've never heard on anything else you know and uh it's actually it's it's a kind of a a bit of a be one of the kind of Lancome sounds I suppose that you hear on on our albums and live and stuff is this instrument um and anything that sounds really like kind of dirty bass is this um but i'm really worried it's just going to die one day cuz it's really it's it's in bits and i bring it all over the place and it's just it is really falling apart so someday it may just clap out Dude, and what's be really it sad. it's called a bayan it's like a it it seems to be like kind of eastern european uh in general accordion so like uh, ukraine uh, saw someone playing it there in Latvia, uh, Russia, definitely, um, you know that kind of area. So it's different. It's different to a piano accordion. It's kind of like, it's kind of like a really massive button accordion. Is that Dan? I think someone's just coming in the door now. It might not be Dan.
0: Um, <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask you about pulling the devil out here
1: Oh yeah. Which? <laughs> oh. <How are> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can adjust. I made you dinner. How's it
0: going? <laughs> this is. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. This is you, you want to be on the podcast? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You no. just want to have
1: a chat? You want to have a chat on the podcast? No, I'm all right. No. I made oh, dinner, absolutely. by the way. It'll be ready whenever we're done here. Yeah.
0: Five minutes? Yeah. Is that yeah, good? Yeah, yeah. Five minutes good? Yeah, good. Um, I think maybe we should leave that piece in. It's okay. Just leave it yeah. in. <laughs>
1: that, w- that was keen lawless. Keen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Kane actually hooked me up to go to Berlin to meet people from oh, the brilliant. strength shop yeah. who are also hooking us up for the equipment for the Palestinian community gym. so I oh, and met them and they were legends
1: yeah he's a good lad he also co-wrote the song called All Fire with uh, Ian and Dara no way he's, yeah yeah that line Dublin's heart's still beating he wrote that I'm definitely going to leave it in now yeah 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 that's the man so the myth
0: is a six part animation that deserves to be mentioned on the podcast every it week. It does, yeah. Like, Have you
1: w- talked about it before?
0: Yeah, I mean I played yeah. a little clip of Pon oh, and Devil the on it. Maybe I'll put another clip in. Yes, please in, do. In like for you in this yeah. episode. Great. Okay. Say in Thanks. honor to you yeah. you being on the podcast. I'll put a little clip of Pondevil Bed Hill on. But like how did you guys co- how did you come across that? Because it was actually weird. I guess it's kind of a weird connection because we met in December when you guys were in Madden's and then somewhere along the lane your group and our group realized that we had this mutual love of pulling the devil by the tail, which I is weird. I'll tell you
1: what happened. It was that your brother and um, Limo they, they had to stay in Dublin, so they stayed in our house here. And then the next morning I came to the kitchen and they were just quoting Pulling the Devil by the Tail. And I was like, are you quoting Pulling the Devil by the Tail? And they're like, yeah, do you know that? And I was like, yeah, oh my God. And we just talked about it for five minutes. Quoting it basically They're way better doing the accents though Because these are from Bilbo. But the only <laughs>
0: There's a comment on a poem, One of the Paul Neville Hill episodes From the Lankham YouTube account Oh yeah And I, that's when I realised That you were into it yeah, yeah. I was like Whoa what That's Well
1: weird. the guy that Stephen McCollum Who did all the voices And the animation He actually did our vi- We loved it so much That we were like When we were like Doing a, a, a music video For one of our songs The Granite Gaze We all like Unanimously wanted Stephen to do it So we approached him And he didn't know us at all And we are like Hey we're like huge fans of your work Will you Like is there any chance You'd do a music video And he said yeah So the, the video for the Granite Gays uh, Is suitably disturbing Thank you Stephen And uh, is like It's it's claymation like, like pulling the devil by the tail And uh, yeah, he made like little claymation uh, figures of us and they still exist they were in, a, no in an exhibition somewhere yeah and actually to there's te- a
0: clay really pizza out there somewhere there is
1: and you know what's actually I'll just tell you the the, the full circle of this which is gas because yeah it all started with us being really obsessed with pulling it out by the tail and then you know asking Stephen to do it or whatever and then suddenly there was claymation versions of us right and then we ended up getting uh, an award in the BBC for that track and that year what they did with the awards was they did these cast iron representations of like some of them like let's say if it was best group or whatever they'd be like these little figurines with the same instruments as the people in the band so they, they personalised every award to like fit the winner and you're not going to believe this the one for the granite gays is the claymation version of us that Stephen made
0: no way it
1: exists like now in like an iron format as well
0: they copied yeah. the claymation they copied it from made from iron the, version yeah, of
1: it? they made Whoa. isn't that weird yeah it's really creepy Steve looking.
0: Stephen has listening to this.
1: Yeah, that. There you go, Steve. And
0: maybe we can do a podcast together.
1: Oh yeah, get him on. Yeah, <laughs> oh, definitely listen to that. Oh, he's so crack. He's brilliant. Yeah.
0: We love you. Um. I also just as a side note, whenever I was doing the research for the podcast here, that you are a Sopranos fan. Oh yeah! I have a massive How do you know span. that? I just, t- <laughs> <laughs> just did <do> deep research. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I think it's on the internet somewhere. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. on the internet. It was in oh, an interview man. that you got you and I think maybe Ian did. Oh, about Irish wh- what you watched or something like, yeah, it. It was like yeah. a question kind of interview, and that yeah. was in there.
1: Oh yeah, totally obsessed with Sopranos. I, I've, I've, I've watched the Sopranos it.
0: three times, like from start to finish, the whole way through. Yeah.
1: Well, that's that's a big commitment as well. It's mostly
0: yeah. whenever um, I start going out with someone and they haven't seen it. You have to either, show them yeah, yeah. we just finish The relationship Or
1: <laughs> Yeah Or they have they to They have them to more. watch The Sopranos Yeah no I love it I have to say as well One of my main Like kind of Guilty pleasure Style inspirations Is Adriana Like I actually Just want to dress Like Adriana it, Like it's all the Crazy, like leather snake skin and the really tacky hoop earrings, and I'm just like, Yeah,
0: with the episode when Adriana got killed, though. Oh, so, so, saw a spoiler! Everyone's seen yeah. the sopranos this day yeah. Uh, my, uh, okay, yeah. there's a couple of questions that I wanted to ask you, yeah. The, uh, About also, sopranos. whenever yeah. I was, no, th- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <have> doing <laughs> another podcast on the sopranos. Okay, cool, yeah. but um, you had um recent enough article actually in the paper and one of the quotes was actually in the headline of the paper is that the embarrassment of that Irish people had about their music is oh, gone. It's gone. Yeah. That, that seems like a deep thing to say. <laughs> and I wanted to ask you about it, even though I so said, like we only have a couple of minutes left, but maybe that you can maybe expand on a little bit. because.
1: Um. Yeah. So, Oh God. Uh, and now we're under time pressure as well. So yeah. basically what I mean is I think that um, what I talked about a little bit and where that quote came from, uh, Was that uh, when I was growing up playing traditional music, it was not something that other people like you either did it and you loved it and you knew why it was great or you absolutely just didn't care and had complete disregard for it. Like there wasn't this thing of people going in and like listening to trad. They didn't even call it trad. They called it diddly eye and it was very disparaging. And it was the kind of thing where you'd be chatting away to someone and then if it came up in conversation that you played diddly eye, they'd suddenly look at you like you were the most uncool person they'd ever met in their life whereas within the trad community it was actually like we all knew it was real good and we're like we're having a great time doing this like i don't care what other people think of it or whatever and um then it's been funny to watch how in my kind of 20s then i watched it change from that to being something that's actually like people go and listen to it now just for pleasure you know and they refer to it as trad and they seem to be less embarrassed by it um, and I wonder Is it a kind of A general thing That's happening Because I've also noticed A lot more people Are singing in their own accents Which is amazing Like the likes of Like uh, Kneecap obviously Or even like Pillow Queens Codex, Or me. Yeah Like or uh, Junior Brother Or like There's loads of examples now of People who Lisa O'Neill Singing in their own accents And I, well. l- I love that Yeah yeah I, But I, I think that That is like That's really The right step in the right direction Towards being honest And being like Not embarrassed Of being Irish and embarrassed of, like, what where you're from.
0: Is it possible that that's connected to the period of time when everybody lost their run with themselves during the Celtic Tiger?
1: Possibly, and decided they were European and drank, like, cocktails. Yeah, I think so, but I actually think that it goes much further back. Um, I think it's probably a post-colonial thing, that uh, we're just, like, trained to be embarrassed of ourselves, basically. So we're embarrassed of our accents, we're embarrassed of our language, we're embarrassed of ourselves, basically, because we were just told for too long that it was not... Um, Y- not good enough or not like worthy or you know i think we just still have that kind of m- mentality um i think it's changing now though i think there's a real kind of like a a new thing there's a new thing happening in ireland and I, I can't even tell you what it is like maybe 10 years down the road i'll be able to look back and tell you what i think was happening but i think there's something something good happening like,
0: you look at the last couple of referendums that we had for our yeah. equality repeal. amazing yeah like the irish language is definitely growing trad is yeah. coming up in a big way and that like yeah. young people are taking it to an international stage as well yeah. people are kind of reclaiming it I, guess. I hope
1: and I really hope that it's not us imagining that I want that to be true because I want that to be what's happening I want it to be the people are like really being like no do you know what like here we are this is who we are this is who we are you know
0: you guys have a new album coming out
1: we do yeah 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 um, so we're actually mixing it at the moment I actually was meant to be down the studio today and I told the lads I couldn't go because I was doing this yeah so Sorry lads <laughs> um, But yeah So we're just at the end Of mixing it now Going to be sending it off To Master And it's coming out In Rough Trade as well And I think it's going to be out In October And I'm really excited about it I'm really really excited To bring it out
0: Where can people See you guys this year?
1: Um, In Ireland Like Anywhere Oh <laughs> Loads of places in All over the shop Um, In yeah. Ireland um, We <laughs> It's not Nothing is announced yet, but we will be doing some release gigs, obviously, we're in going October. To find out website, moment. our website, Which uh, dot com. I think, yeah, it is Dublin dot com, um, and that always has our all our gig listings. So, um, for the f- next while, we we're not in Ireland for the next while, but um, yeah. Twitter as well you
0: guys are like fond of putting the other controversial tweet out oh Jesus yeah
1: well yeah that's Dara (laughs) (laughs) he loves a bit of controversy Um, yeah I know he's he's very good at the internet thanks very much thanks for having me now we eat our dinner let's get dinner you
0: What did you think about that? a am too ready for taking the time out of her day to record that episode. She was otherwise going to be in the studio making some music with the rest of the Lincoln crew. So I'm very grateful that she was able to spend a bit of time having a chat with the Rebel Matters fam. And after the podcast, then we had a lovely big dinner in the house with Dan and Kane as well. So it was like a little family outing up in Dublin. Anyway, as I was saying, I am absolutely busted right now, so I'm going to go to bed and get a few winks before heading up to Body and Soul tomorrow. Just as usual, if you want to support the podcast on Patreon, then you can find the Rebel Matters podcast on the patreon.com website. That is a platform where you can sign up to support the podcast with a little monthly subscription if you want to. And you can also check out what's happening on all the social media accounts. Uh, we've got the Rebel Matters Uh, podcast account we've got the palestine community gym account there's the Ackley cork account uh if you want to go and find out what we're doing from a personal training point of view in cork city center you can leave a rating and review wherever you listen to this podcast and that's it so thanks a million for listening thanks for coming back and tuning into the podcast every week let me know what you think about the episode or you're listening to it and share it around with your mates August Gigi and Herrera can you feel it? Be August good jazzy